Hey y'all, welcome, welcome back, back to, to Crime, Critics, and Chaos. My name is Shivani. And I'm Shailene. And, and we're, we're your hosts. So if you can't tell by now, I am recovering from bronchitis. <laughs> and that's why my voice is like super cracking and low and whatever else it is. Bear with her y'all, but she is trying. That's all that matters is the effort that counts. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and that also explains why we didn't have an episode last week because I was severely sick and I also had absolutely no voice to record. So um, that's why we were taking a break last week, yes. but we're back this week. We are back. All sick and all. <laughs> So, Shaylin, I have three questions for you, and you have three questions for me, right? Yeah, so it's hot seat time, you guys. Hot seat time. All right, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. All right. Um, so, Shaylin, what is your favorite smell? Ooh, my favorite smell, I think it would be cactus blossom. I'm not mm. sure if you're familiar with that. It's a candle from Bath & Body Works. Bath & Body, Body Works. Works. I feel like every single time I ask somebody what their favorite smell is, it's always a reference to Bath & Body Works. Oh, yeah, definitely, girl. <laughs> I love Bath & Body Works, and that, that one's definitely one of my favorite. The most recent favorite of mine is uh, Peach Bellini from Bath & Body oh, Works. Oh, I smelled that one. Oh, it's, girl, yeah, it's, it smells it's good. so good. But yes, that's my favorite smell. So you're like a fruity kind of tropical kind of smell type of person oh yeah definitely, definitely. <laughs> i love vanilla and i really love the smell of wood so like teak really? wood yes or sandalwood i like the smell of like cut grass cut grass like fresh cut yeah. grass and i'm like fresh gasoline wood. yes i know exactly <laughs> what you mean i know a lot of people that are like love the smell of gasoline oh i love the smell of it now <laughs> i i don't like it for some reason but like i used to love the smell of just being at the gas station smelling gasoline. <laughs> That's how I feel when I walk into Home Depot where Lowe's and smell wood. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. All right, my question for you, Shivani. What is your dream job? Oh, my dream job. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I guess, like, doing my own thing. Like, I would rather, like, have my own career and, like, kind of promote myself in whatever yeah. I believe in. So probably, like... Like entrepreneurship? Yeah. Like what would be your business? Probably therapy. Therapy? Yeah. Physical therapy or mental no, therapy? More, yeah, more like like better help. I would love to work for better help. Oh, I, girl, well, you could be my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I know that, uh, let, let me book an appointment with Shivani. So y'all need a therapist, book Shivani. <laughs> Psych degree and everything. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so second question for you. What is something that takes up too much of your time? Girl, that's a hard question because I can think of a million things that takes up my time on a daily basis alone. <laughs> um, I would say researching. Really? Yes. Like random things? Like, or just something that's intriguing you? Yes. Because, you know, of course, we have to research. Our cases. All day, yeah. every day, all week. Oh, yeah, in our jobs. So, like, yes. Shaylin and I are, like, investigating, like, our cases, obviously, that we do for you guys, but we're also doing the same thing at work. Yes. So I, 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 I can see where you're coming from. Research, for sure. <laughs> that takes up the vast majority of my time on a daily basis. I started thinking about it myself, and I was like, I wonder what takes up most of my time. But probably overthinking. Like, I'll literally be sitting here thinking about, like, one thing, and then I'll, like, five minutes later, I'll be in a whole different, like, mindset of thinking something completely different. Same. So. I probably would say overthinking. Me and you both have came to the conclusion that we both have a problem with overthinking. Yeah. So, I agree. <laughs> All right. Another question for you, Shabani. What is something that can always make you laugh? 
who is something that can always make me laugh? Kevin Hart. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could literally watch his stand-up shows like all day, every day, and laugh at the same joke over and over and over again. You're a Kevin Hart fan? Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, believe it or not, he's okay. He wouldn't be my top five, honestly. I so actually don't even know that, that many it, comedians, yeah. so he's the one that I know, so I'm like, okay. I mean, I can see but, why you think he's very funny. He he is obviously funny, but... He's, like, realistic funny. Like, like I think, like, the reason why is, like, I know a lot of comedians nowadays, like, they kind of want to, like, reference their jokes with real-life situations, yeah. right? And, I mean, I think a lot of them try to do that, but I just don't find them, like, super relatable, whereas right. Kevin Hart, I actually do. And they're they're actually, like... <laughs> I don't know. I just, I guess I find them more like, they're, they're more comedic to me than like any other comedian. Really? Yeah. My favorite comedian would probably be Cat Williams. You know what that is? No. See, oh I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know much of comedy other than like the couple of people that I know. Please go home and watch <laughs> Cat Williams. He's also on Netflix. Just okay. type in Cat Williams and watch one of his, his specials on there, girl. <laughs> you think Kevin Hart's funny? Cat Williams is like oh my ten gosh. times funnier. Speaking of comedy, did you ever watch any of the roasts like that they used to have on Comedy Central? I'm, I'm, I don't know if they still do those or not, but oh, back back in the day. Yeah, I mean the last one they did was I think Justin Bieber's roast, and that was the I one that seen I that watched. One. No. Oh my gosh, that's what you're gonna do tonight. You're gonna watch Justin <laughs> Bieber's roast. It was the funniest thing ever, and I think I love roasts because they have no filter. They oh, literally yeah. just go. <laughs> All at it, and I love that. And that's, I think that's why I like Kevin Hart too, because I think his shows also have no filter, and he's just mm-hmm. kind of like tells it as it is rather than like he does. holding back. I will get so. you that. He does. Okay, well, me and Shimani both have assignments for tonight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my question for you last question What scary movie did you watch growing up that still haunts you? Scary movie that I watched that still haunts me. Um, Y'all don't mind Shaylin's dog in the background. She's giving herself a feast over there. She is. <laughs> um, I think House of Wax. House of Wax. Yes. What? For some reason, why did I know you was going to say that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Or I like, just automatically thought you was going to say that. Even like Chainsaw. <laughs> Chainsaw Massacre also did the Take same. Take the Chainsaw? Yes. Did you see a new one? No, I haven't. It sucks. Don't watch it. Okay. Now I know. <laughs> but a movie that scared me growing up was Tales from the Hood. And that movie still oh, kind of scares me. That's like also on, I don't think it's on Netflix, it's on Tubi. Do you know what Tubi oh, is? Oh, yes, I have Tubi. Watch it on Tubi. Okay. See, to I got that. another assignment for Shivani. Watch Tales from, it's ghetto. Girl, I live but. alone. I cannot be I cannot be watching scary things alone. Well, you probably don't want to watch that one alone. <laughs> in dark. So maybe like on a weekend, they like. I'll find a friend. <laughs> Um, okay, my last question for you is, speaking of movies, um, what is one show that you feel like you binge watch all the time? Shit's Creek. Really? Over and over again? Yes. Oh my gosh, really? I love that show. I watched the first episode <laughs> not too long ago. Um, you know how, if you don't know me, it takes me, like, I, I have a really short attention span, like it's worse than a squirrel. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, like, for me, it's really hard to get into shows. Like, if I don't like a show within the first, like, 10 to 15 minutes, like, I'm not finishing that show. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I think a lot of people are like, that. if it doesn't if it doesn't draw my attention immediately, I'm going to turn it off. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to watch it. Well, but Shit's Creek, I, I did definitely say Shit's Creek. I meant Sheets Creek. Is it Sheets? It's Shit's Creek. You it's, said it. Okay, Creek. I, saw, yeah. I said it right. <laughs> okay, um, I think the part that kind of was like, what am I watching was whenever the, the blonde, who's, yes. like, super spoiled, and she's like, they, like, lost their Alexis. home. 
Yes, and they're like living in a hotel, which is like crap, right? Yes. And then she's like, oh, my boyfriend's going to come and get me. And they're like, well, what about the rest of us? Please watch this show, Shabani. It is great. Like at first, when I was watching, I was like, oh, my, this is going to be so cheesy. But I love that show now. I watch that show pretty much every day. It is a great show. It's very humorous. <laughs> I'll have to try Please it. Please watch sure. it. I think you'll like it. I think just give it like... Uh, another episode or two it'll, you'll really start to yeah. like really get into it girl that that show is so funny it's a great show for any, anybody that don't know it's just creed it's on netflix please go and watch it it's great, great show. <laughs> well if you guys have any netflix show recommendations let us know all right partners in crime grab your wine as we're ready to get into some crime and speaking of wine today we are going to be sipping on some peach stella rosa Ooh. so let's get into it girl let's get into it so our case sources for today is lila reese.medium.com and dfw.cbslocal.com august 8th 1971 started like any other day for six-year-old dequin montgomery he woke up to a beautiful fall morning with the sun blaring through his window of his apartment unit which resembled a half-timbered castle have you ever seen half-timbered castle apartments? I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'm sure if I see a picture of it, it'll like ring a bell. It's like those little cone um, roof like buildings. Okay. Let me, now I have to look it up and show shame on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. So this is what it looks like. It's, oh, I figured. Okay. Yeah, it's basically like a castle looking kind of home, but this was an apartment complex. Hmm, um, interesting. And they, they basically had units that looked like this um, all over the the land. So the apartment complex known as the Sherwood Forest Apartments is located off of Northwest Highway near the Lovefield Airport. At the time, the Dallas Lovefield area was one of the largest business hubs in the area, so it wasn't odd for DeQuinn to wake up to the sounds of the street. What was odd was that DeQuinn wasn't awakened by his mother, Carolyn, like he was almost every morning. Yeah, so he basically woke up because he heard all the sounds on the street and he realized it was morning and he's like, hmm, my mom didn't wake me up this morning. So he tumbles out of bed to go find her. Okay. DeQuinn found his 28-year-old mother in the living room laying down with some sheets and some blankets. DeQuinn wanted to ride his bike, and since his mother was sick and his mother's roommate was out of town, DeQuinn gave himself permission to do so and headed out to bike with some friends that were also his neighbors. So he didn't wake up his mom, so I'm assuming she's asleep, or he thought she was asleep, so he didn't mm -hmm. wake her up and say, hey mom, can I go outside? Correct, yeah. So, and he knew that, you know, the, the friend, her, his mom's friend who was also living with them, she was out of town, she was actually in Marshall, Texas. Um, so he knew she wasn't home, so he was like, I'm sure mom won't mind, she's sick anyway. So she, he just kind of left the apartment himself and started, uh, went over to a neighbor's home to go biking. And again, this happened in 1971, so I guess like back in the day, it's pretty normal for little kids to just kind of leave the home and, you know, clearly go, because yeah. we see that in all of our cases, all right? All of our cases that we've covered with, within that time frame. Right. Um, so DeQuinn came home a little while later and became worried when he realized that his mom had still not moved from the spot on the living room floor. So she's on the floor? She was on the floor. And she okay. was, like, covered with sheets and blankets, so he just figured that she was sick. I mean, he's six, so he doesn't right, know true. better. So he just assumed that she was sick, she wasn't moving, so he was like, oh, she's sick, I'm just going to let her be. And that's why he had originally left without, you know, mm -hmm. speaking with her. Interesting. So he comes home, like I said, um, he became worried and he realized that his mother had still not moved. So he went ahead and went to a neighbor's home and he immediately brought back his friend's mom to come check on Carolyn. That was very smart of him. Mm -hmm. So when the neighbor lifts the blanket off of Carolyn, she was startled by the gruesome scene and started to scream. DeQuinn stated that he remembers this neighbor grabbing him so close and holding him super tight. Wow. Carolyn was murdered with her son DeQuinn sleeping soundly in her own home. 
Oh my God, imagine that. That was the part that was crazy to me. Like imagine, I guess to me, I was like, you know, it's an apartment complex and you know, it's a unit, so it can't be super big, but you would think that if you hear noises, right. you know, in your unit, like of someone getting murdered, you would wake up, especially a, a child, you know? Right. But I guess he was so like sound asleep, he didn't hear a single thing. I that mean, happened sleeps, the night before. They, yeah, they sleep very hard. Oh, really? Kids like that. Sleep I very, felt like as a hard. kid, I was super like, I was a light sleeper as a kid. I think I was. You think so? Yeah. Um, I could say that too. I was pretty uh, a pretty light sleeper. I couldn't recall a time where I was like in a super deep sleep. Right. I couldn't hear anything like that. But, but I can see that. I can see kids, you know, because they're so little that you know they they're obviously needing more sleep than you know adults so they're probably like reached he probably reached his like rem stage of sleep yeah, whenever so. everything happened that's but crazy yeah but he was in the in the apartment whenever this happened sheesh so even veteran homicide detective sergeant gus rose felt his stomach turn at the gruesome scene carolyn was butchered so she was murdered but she was so like she was murdered so in such a horrific way that it, she was basically butchered that's like how decapitated almost or not that well severely. okay so one of the things that i did note here in my notes is that she was a tiny woman she was like under five foot so she was super oh, wow. small wow. and I'm, I'm gonna explain like her her um wounds to you and whenever i explain it you'll kind of understand what okay. why they called her butchered so her stab wounds were so deep and extensive that her throat was slashed one breast was nearly severed her chest was cut open, and there were teeth marks on her body. Jesus Christ. Did you have to bite her? Uh, well, that's that's the whole thing is, you know, is this a personal crime? It sounds very personal. Crime, or is this like a... It sounds very personal. Um, so a 10 to 12-inch butcher knife was still in her throat, <gasps> and a 4-inch paring knife was in her abdomen whenever they found her. So, the, like, he didn't just, like stab her and take the knife out and like literally you know take the knife with him or leave the knife at the scene or whatever he left the knife in her in her throat in her one in her throat and one in her abdomen so my thing is she was covered with a blanket before they even found her they didn't see like the object of the or well, the shape of the knife well you know what are, I'm do like, you mean like to quinn didn't see it or you like mean, anybody like, well i think at the point that everybody had came in you know they they noticed it but okay. i think for dequin since he was the original person that found her i don't think that he thought of it that way yeah like, I, I don't think see, yeah i wouldn't see him thinking of it that way yeah but i also don't know like what how her body was positioned or anything like that all we know is that she was covered with sheets and blankets yeah you're right cause she could have been on her side yeah and you okay. couldn't sell yeah that's you're right you're right um so her shredded blouse laid nearby and her blue and white polka dot shorts cut off from the front lay beneath her the police believed that the knives were kitchen knives from her apartment, but the roommate wasn't able to confirm that those were their knives, certainly. So yeah, a roommate. Remember? She was the um, the the roommate that went to Marshall, Texas for that weekend. Oh, you so, did say that, sorry. Yeah. No, okay. Yeah. So that they were completely alone. It was just, you know, Carolyn and her son to Quinn. Okay. Because the roommate was out of town. Gotcha. Um, so but they basically asked the roommate to identify the knives to see if it was one of their knives, but mm -hmm. she couldn't say for sure. Yeah. But that's crazy because do you have a 10 to 12 butcher knife laying in your kitchen? I probably do. I ain't gonna lie. I, I don't, but <laughs> I don't cook, so that's probably why. <laughs> that's but to me, I'm thinking like, here's, this is the part where I, I find it a little like, 
I agree with you. You know, like you're saying that this sounds personal, but not just in this case, but in other cases too, when serial killers, just an example of a serial killer coming in to, you know, murder anybody at, at, at a random home, mm-hmm. when you don't bring your own supplies, such as a knife, how do you expect to kind of navigate take control? Way, yeah. yeah, like navigate your way into into doing whatever it is that you're doing. So like this person had to have, I mean, he didn't come, if it wasn't his knife, right? Like right. if it was, you know, Carolyn's knife. He didn't come prepared, but with everything that he did, it seemed like he was prepared. Like, he right. did come to do this job specifically. So, I'm like, if he didn't bring a knife and this was one of his knives, like, how did you expect to kill her exactly? Exactly. Like, what other motive or what other way were you And, like, how do you know her? that she has those types of knives? You know, like, I, if, if you come to my house and you're trying to butcher me, I can assure you there's not a single knife I have that's going to butcher me like that. Wow. I promise you. Like I like how I like my where my knives going with the my knives barely cut <laughs> onions, y'all. Like it's <laughs> not onions. It's not gonna cut me in any kind of way. Oh so I'm like, I wonder if he knew her personally enough to know that she had knives like that. Like I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too far into You're this. You're not because you also gotta realize too, like you were saying, if he didn't come prepared, he had to have been all up in the kitchen looking for knives, and at that point, you'll be making noise. So yeah. how? Did the little boy not hear it? Yep. And, I mean, we don't even know if she was asleep or if she was still awake. Or, True. And, by the way, just to note, um, there were no forced entry signs. So she let him in. Just, or she had to have let him in. Unless he's just a really good, like, you know, he can navigate his way in without making it seem like he broke in. Then yeah. that's a different story. I don't think but. this is uh, somebody random. This was somebody, somebody that she knew. knew her or, you know, vice versa. Uh, so Lieutenant David Pews of Dallas Homicide said that it makes you think that there was something very personal going on inside of the killer. There were no signs of struggle or forced entry except a smashed coffee table. So like I said, no, no forced entry. You know, it, even to the investigators, it seems like it was uh, a personal crime. Yeah, this is personal. Like we were saying, it's personal. So let me tell you a little bit about Carolyn. Um, So Carolyn was your average single mom who did what she had to do to provide for her and her son. Carolyn worked as a cocktail waitress at an upscale North Dallas country club called Willow Creek Club to support herself and her six-year-old son. She had came home in the early morning hours of August 8th around 1.30 a.m. So she was murdered right after that. Keep in mind she came home at 1.30. And I'm not sure what time DeQuinn woke up exactly. He just woke up at... you know, sometime in the morning when the sun was up. Yeah. But she, Carolyn had came home the night before around 1.30 a.m. because that's when she got off from her shift. She came home and everything started going down at that time. Right. Um, now, I'm unsure if DeQuinn was home alone at the time that she was gone that's and working. I, I actually tried to look into that, but I couldn't find anything. Like if he was with a babysitter or if he was alone. I mean, he was sick, so he shouldn't have been alone. No, not that late at night. But um, again, I don't, I don't know. You know, that's a good question, Shivani. That's a great question. Now you really got me thinking. Like, where was he? Who was he with? Because I refuse to believe. But honestly, we never know. But I refuse to believe that he was at the at the hospital himself that whole time. Right, and work. she like there, it was noted that DeQuinn was asleep when Carolyn came in, so she didn't bother to wake him. So what if he was in there by himself? That's what I was thinking. I, I really do wonder if he was in there by himself. Um, but usually Carolyn's roommate watched DeQuinn, but her roommate was out of town that night, so I'm not sure. You know what was going on there like if but it was alone but when did the or... roommate go out of town did she go out of town that same day 
or a couple nights prior. I'm not sure. I think it was that same day. I'm not sure though. But she was not there when DeQuin, or when when Carolyn came home, she was not there. So to me, DeQuin was definitely alone or had another babysitter with him because she had to have left. She. Even when the roommate left, she wasn't just going to be like, okay, well, I'm leaving now. You're going to be by yourself until mommy comes home, you know? Unless that did happen. Maybe that could have happened, too. Like, maybe that could that very much so could have happened. Because I'm like, who? That's, that's crazy. Who was watching that kid? <clears throat> no idea. So, Carolyn was said to have been liked by her friends, family, and coworkers. Like I said, she was a small, petite woman under five foot. And so, to see her tiny body in the condition that it was described was definitely, you know, described as overkilled by the police. That is overkill for sure. Now, the main evidence beside the overkill was a note that was found by Carolyn's body that read, the wrong one, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. So you mean to tell me the note basically indicated that they killed the wrong person? I mean, that's the confusing part as well. That Yeah, basically. It, it, it said the wrong one, I'm sorry. And it was like carved. You know how like when you have like a photo frame and then inside the photo frame there's like that little like cardboard piece that you use to like um, like put behind the picture, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, so, yes, yes. So that's where the note was carved. Like that's what the note was carved on was that cardboard piece from a frame. And it said the wrong one. I'm sorry. I refuse to believe, even if that was true, the fact that you killed the wrong person, you overkilled her. Yeah. At some point, when did you stop and say, oh, my God, this is not the right person. Let me stop. You bit her. You stabbed her in the throat, on her body, severed her boob. Like, that's overkill. Yeah, homicide felt like the letter was intended to throw them off as well. Yeah, of course. I agree. It's not common to find a note from a killer at the scene, especially at a scene like that. Exactly. I'm not buying that. Not at all. So something that the police noted was that the killer spent time with Carolyn. She didn't die immediately. He talked to her. He cleaned the blood off her face. He covered her body. He even brought brought in the morning paper delivered around 4.45 a.m. So how did investigators come to the conclusion that the killer or the perpetrator spent time with her before she was murdered um so i think that there was evidence of like blood being wiped from her face like i think they probably found like a towel or a napkin or something where they where they saw that he wiped her down also because he went and found sheets and blankets and Mm -hmm. covered her um also they found the morning paper for that morning in the apartment complex rather than outside the door. So they knew somebody had to have brought it in and they knew it wasn't DeQuinn. Yeah. True. So it had to have been the killer. Hmm. I don't know. That that could be the case, but that, that kind of just confused me a little bit. But now that you explained it in that way, maybe so. And to me, like, I don't know how killers think of course and I say that in every episode but to me I'm like if you are taking the time to cover a body I feel like you care about that person I mean again caring is a strong word because you wouldn't be killing that person right but like you have some sort of emotion attached to this person that's why you're taking the effort to cover them up because you don't want to see them in the state that they're in yeah so I do agree you know, I do think that this killer perpetrator knew who Carolyn was. Yeah. If they, if not only did they, you know, of course, kill her in the manner that they did, investigators believe that he spent time, like, so he stayed at the scene after he killed her for quite some time. Mm-hmm. He or she right. stayed at the scene. So this is, yeah, this is a personal connection. For sure. Mm-hmm. 
So the police theorized that the killer was a stranger and Carolyn was a surrogate for someone else in his life. And the reason why they came with that conclusion is because they couldn't, you know, they investigated and questioned everybody that was personal in Carolyn's life and mm -hmm. they couldn't, they had no person of interest, they had no suspects. So then they eventually just came to the theory that the killer was probably a stranger, but um, Carolyn resembled like a surrogate for someone in the stranger's life. For instance, like it could be, it could have been his wife or his mother that he like used Carolyn to surrogate. Um, so basically, to me, this theory kind of reminded me of the story of Norman Bates. Mm, yep. Um, except kill. Norman was embodied by split personalities. However, it makes me wonder if maybe the killer um, had like a similar mental illness mm -hmm. or, where he didn't have like a split personality, but he kind of, you know, was affected by someone in his personal life to where he was out to seek revenge on that specific person right. and found that in Carolyn. Okay, so you're saying that this per this perpetrator, um, well, I will say Carolyn reminded the perpetrator of somebody that they knew. Or that he, yeah, someone yeah. That, that affected him deeply in okay. a personal level. Wow, okay. That's just a theory that the police came up with, and I, and I like that idea. That's a great idea. theory. I, I think so, too. That's a great theory. Wow, that makes you think of it of a different perspective. Yeah, and I, I actually, I do agree with this theory as well. In fact, I, I actually think that, like, because Carolyn was a waitress, I think that maybe this perpetrator kind of met her at her job. I was thinking that, Shivani, as soon as when you said that she was working in L.A., I was like, what if somebody followed her? Mm -hmm. What if she was um, talking to somebody at the bar? Or, and, you know? yeah, and she resembled someone, and so then this you know, whoever this customer was became basically infatuated with her and, you know, did what he had to do because he, she reminded him of someone that was close to his life that harmed him in some kind of way. Girl, we should be detectives. We really should. <laughs> Unfortunately, crimes committed by strangers are the hardest because there's no obvious motive and majority of the time the question of the why goes unknown. Yeah. The killer may have surprised her in the parking lot or door or she invited him into the apartment. So those are like different ideas of mm -hmm. how he could have gotten in. Um, because of the note, though, police considered that the roommate could have been the target. However, instead, there's no evidence pointing to that assumption. So then they decided that that couldn't have been, yeah. a, 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 you know, a good theory. I mean, it's it's good to have it, you know, to have that theory. I thought that, know. too. Whenever I was researching the case in the beginning, that's literally what I thought. I was like, what if, like, the roommate was the one that was targeted? But she just happened to be out of town that night. And so then Carolyn was the one that ended up being murdered. Right. I did think that. But as I researched the case, you know, I, I soon learned that um, there was no connection to anyone with yeah. with um, with the roommate either. Right. And I was going to say they kind of would back up the note, sorry, wrong person, whatever you said. Right, it would. Lines. Yeah, but I don't think that's the case, though. I right, I agree. Case. So they did question, um, you know, people in Carolyn's life, mm -hmm. uh, one of those being her ex-husband, Abramson. Um, Carolyn and Abramson seemed to have a good relationship despite the fact that they were no longer together. They still cared for each other and got along pretty well while co-parenting. Mm -hmm. So the police obviously discarded him as a suspect. Okay. Whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, soon the police started considering the killer to be a serial offender. Possibly. Yeah, because they started looking into other crimes in the area, and then they were like, hmm, I wonder if this wasn't a personal crime and this was actually a crime committed by a serial killer. Because that could have been their second option, right? Like, mm -hmm. It couldn't have been anybody else other than somebody that either, you know, randomly met her and, you know, kind of the theory that we had earlier, mm -hmm. randomly met her, they, she reminded them of someone, and so it was a crime of passion. Yeah. Or the second option would be that it would be a serial killer. Okay, so going back to you saying there were some similar crimes 
like how many crimes are we talking? I'm about to get into that. Okay. Cool. Um, so they looked for a link to the serial killer, Michael Foster Vines, a 20 year old musician. He stabbed Linda Nunzietta. She was 22 years old on May 6th of 1972 in Arlington, Texas. Linda was a waitress just like Carolyn, and she was found beaten and stabbed to death in her apartment with a butcher knife, and he also wiped her face clean of blood. Yeah, I'm convinced already. <laughs> On February 4th of 1974, Vines murdered again. This time, Yoretta Rhea Franks, 21 at the time, um, he first tried to choke her, and then he stabbed her with a butcher knife until the blade of the knife bent. That's how... Jesus Christ. That's how um, deep he How went. much force could you put on a knife to bend it i know especially into someone's body and the crazy part to me is that this man was only 21 years old oh um God. he admitted to murdering those three women in drug-induced haze sorry not two three women two women um there was a third woman but i couldn't find much information on the third one but um he did admit to murdering these three women in a drug-induced haze vine stated that he picked 25 women for murder but his memory was fuzzy police questioned him in carolyn's murder but couldn't connect him at all why? I guess they couldn't find any like actual physical evidence in the crime scenes to connect him to Carolyn's um, the way that they did with all the other ones. But the motive from the first lady you said is so similar though. Yeah, and, but I mean like he admitted to those murders, right? Like he said, yes, I did them. He said I was, you know, basically drugged up and that's what caused me to do them. But with Carolyn, he never admitted it. I mean, would you expect him to at that point? Well, I would because he he voluntarily admitted it you know it wasn't like he had to be coerced into kind of admitting guilt to those murders he himself was like yeah i probably did it um, yeah, but, but he couldn't remember you did mention that he was like and he was know, real honest hallucination too. In yeah sort. he was real honest because he even said like there was 25 potential women that i wanted to pick from he 25 yeah and then he ended up picking like those three or something like that that's kind of what i read in that source but do, do we know if he has a history of mental illness or drugs? No idea. I couldn't find much on that him. Up. The early 70s bombarded Dallas with a countless number of slayings, otherwise known as the Bizarre Lust Murders. Have you heard of that? I have not heard of it. So, yeah, back in the 70s, like early to mid-70s or so, even mm -hmm. a little bit in the late 70s, um, there were a series of murders that took place that they basically named the Bizarre Lust Murders. Police put them together due to similarities. Young to middle-aged woman, physical resemblances, face wiped down clean, stabbed multiple times, often mutilated, and the crime seemed sexually motivated. So very, very, very similar to Carolyn's murder. Yeah. And they they were they all kind of had that those factors in common, and that's how they kind of put all of these uh, murders together and called them the bizarre lust murders. So on August 17, 1971, there was a conference for 12 police forces to compare notes on the Bizarre Lust murders. So 12 different police forces kind of came together with their own cases that they had, and they all started comparing notes, and their information went into a computer to seek a common link. It was the first time that a computer was ever used to try to solve a series of murders. They searched for common denominators in the victims, such as physical traits or zodiac signs, which kind of made me think of the Zodiac, Zodiac killer. killer. Yeah. After running the questionnaires to the computer, there were six Dallas murders similar in circumstances to the murder of Carolyn Montgomery, including the murder of Jeanette Starn Smith. So Jeanette was 19 at the time of her murder, and she was murdered in Irving on January 6th of 1970, so about a year before Carolyn was, um, in her apartment. Her husband found her with a butcher knife still in her chest, just like Carolyn. 
She was hit in the jaw and stabbed nine times in the chest and abdomen. Are you serious? So there were multiple um, murders like this that happened They're in the Dallas connected. area. Yeah. They're definitely all connected. That's a no-brainer. They're definitely all connected. It's the same perpetrator. I agree. Despite the conference and similarities, the results did little to guide investigators. Three of the bizarre lust murders had been marked as solved by three different murders or murders. No way. Yeah. So th- out of the six, three of them were solved, and out of the three being solved, all three were different murders. No way. I, I no. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm. I'm not believing that. Do you believe that? I mean, I didn't look much into it, so I don't know what evidence they have to prove that these three murders did these three crimes in the, like separately, right? And that they're not connected. But I mean. I don't know because like I'm also thinking like what if you know one person started this and then other serial killers or other people that are you know infatuated with things like this in the area kind of took that idea when they saw it on the news and then did the same thing a with copycat killer basically a copycat killer but you would think that even if that is the case usually most um officers or investigators they don't put that much detail out about the murder true not definitely especially not how they found the body yeah they're not gonna put oh she was stabbed in her throat it was still stuck in her throat they're mm-hmm. not gonna put they're gonna probably you know give a little bit of detail but they're but not, not gonna, fully yeah they're not gonna go into that's true because even nowadays we don't investigators rarely go into full on they barely give us general details yeah um just to preserve evidence so you're right on that I don't know. I, I would. We would definitely have to do a little bit more digging on the, you know, bizarre lust murders to yeah, see yeah, what's sure. going on with that. Um, but that would be a whole different case. Part two. <laughs> Part two of this. But I agree with you. Like it's it's so hard to like think that you know, it's not just done by one person because they're the crimes are so similar. So um, similar. In the ways that they were committed. I don't think there's a copycat killer. I'm just trying to figure out how did you come to the conclusion it was three different people. Well, they caught all three murders or three different murders. For those crimes that's crazy so what if it was a copycat killer but that i'm like how unless these people actually knew each other like it was like a cult type cult, of thing yeah no you're right that's yeah. actually a good theory too it could be that um like a group of people or whatever i haven't heard of something like that in a long time though but still like i'm sure that it could possibly exist where they have a group that you know mm. come together and probably talk about these things or i don't know yeah, i don't know how it other. works but yeah yeah, it's, it's, it's still fall under copycat. Yeah, or it could be one killer and the other two that were, you know, convicted or whatever of the other two killings. If, I and mean, again, I'm not sure if they found physical evidence to link these three people to those three crimes or if they just, you know, confessed. But if that if that's the case, if it's a confession, it could be a false confession and they just arrested True. them just True. because they confessed. And it could just be something that they did out of attention, you know? You can play around a lot with these theories. Yeah, There's for sure. a lot of theories to, you know to go over with this wow this case is bizarre yeah i'm definitely gonna have to look more into this for sure yeah. that's why they call it the bizarre less murder show absolutely <laughs> we definitely might need to do a part two on this yeah for sure i agree mm-hmm. i agree too as of 2012 the reward money has gone from three thousand to six thousand for any information leading to the conviction of the killer for of carolyn montgomery so killer still at large not caught yet that's to, so overwhelming right i agree um and to quinn feels the same way he's now in his mid-50s and he still just wants answers absolutely the mother of his uh, or the memory of his mother remains engraved in his heart and brain but he wants a closure as i'm sure all family members um, of victims do yeah absolutely um but it's crazy just to think like imagine like if that was us you know like being sleep in our room and then you know the next morning waking up to see our our parent 
basically dead on the floor and didn't even know and didn't even know like i would feel so guilty i feel like i would Um, too i would feel like how did i not wake up or to him or her my dad or my mom i would feel so terribly guilty that i just didn't say let let me just ask my mom let me ask my dad can i just go outside it won't hurt yeah but i mean even if he did like it wouldn't have mattered you know she was already she was already dead at that point but um, and I, I really hope that he doesn't feel that way because I'm sure another way to look at this, I'm sure, you know, she was doing everything she can to protect him. You know, yeah. I don't even know if the killer knew that she had a son sleeping in another room. That's, that's a good question. And she was probably doing everything she could to like keep, you know, that a secret so that he wouldn't harm the son, you know? So, I mean, even if he would have woken up, then, you know, he would have, his life was probably in danger too. And I mean, yeah, he's six, sure. like he's six, he couldn't have defended himself. So he yeah. would have probably been murdered as well. And I'm sure that would have hurt the mom more or hurt yeah. Carolyn more. Absolutely. Knowing that, you know, she's alive watching this happen with her son as well as her. So I think that, I think that gave her a little bit of comfort maybe like while, you know, she was dying that he was her protected. Son, yeah, he was safe. But you would think that by her being so brutally murdered, there would have been a commotion. Me too. Like, I, I would think the same thing because he, like, like, like the investigators thought, like, he, he spent time with her. Yeah. He literally went out, brought the newspaper in. He wiped her. You know, he spent time with her. So, like, you would think that he, you know, someone would have heard something or at least a Quinn would have heard something. But, again, like you said, he's sick, so. That's crazy, though. But even then, like, how could you not hear anything? Even by you being that young, I just can't picture her being brutally murdered without her screaming an argument or just the perpetrator going around the kitchen looking for knives or anything any murder weapons I I just can't see anybody being in a deep sleep to where you can't hear anything yeah anything at all I agree um, and, and that kind of comes back into maybe Carolyn wasn't screaming or something because she was trying to protect her son and not have him wake up. So she maybe she wasn't True. defending herself. But even if she wasn't making noise, though, you know, the killer should have been making noise. Yeah, least. the killer definitely should have been making noise. I don't know. But even even if we were, were going to go with that theory that she didn't scream, I'm sorry if I'm getting murdered, like I'm screaming. Yeah, me too. Like she was brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. Like she was getting stabbed to death. I'm screaming. That's yeah. that's painful. I don't think you know what to be honest. Like out of all, I mean, Shaylin and I are huge, obviously true crime fans, so we look up cases like this all the time. But out of all the cases that I've you know read about, watched, looked into, whatever, I have not. This is the first case that I've came across where the killer left a butchered knife, or a butcher knife, sorry, into the body. Like they, he just left right. it in the body and left. Like. He didn't even take the knife out. Why? That's so weird. That is. And not even just in her body, in her throat. Mm-hmm. In her throat, Shivani. Yep. And there was multiple, like, knives used. And I'm sure he didn't just, like, go, you know, blazing at her with two knives. I'm sure he, like, used one and then, you know, used right. another later. And that it constantly goes back to, like, how did you not hear anything? Like, any, not even just the, the kid anybody mm-hmm. how did anybody not hear anything yeah there had to be a i'm sorry y'all there had to be a commotion in that apartment that had to be it had to be some noises coming from that apartment yeah i agree that's oh my god this case is insane and that's the story of carolyn montgomery she's gone 
flabbergasted with the story. I'm, I'm sure we'll do more research and do a part two on the bizarre lust murders, and maybe we can connect a little bit more with Carolyn in it. But yeah, yeah, this this whenever I was researching this case, I was I was pretty um, shocked too. What did you find in this case? Then? I just I think I I randomly was just like looking up you know cold case murders in in the area, and I came across this one, and I started reading it, and I was like, what got me was the part. There's two things that get to me in this case. The first one, like I said, it's the fact that the knife was still lodged in her throat and he right. left the knife there. I can't get over that. That, And then the second thing was the note. The note is what bothers me the most, I feel like. That's because, really throwing me off. Yeah. Really that, throwing That part's off. super weird to me, that, that there even was a note to begin with. Because I feel like notes are usually only done to throw people off and it's usually because the killer is a little bit closer to home than you think yeah and that's why people use notes true but like if it was a serial killer no one really well i guess serial killers use notes too but like very rare like you know you don't see that you don't see that very often though Um, yeah you really don't and it, it would only be to like basically like trump the police a little bit more you know like they mm-hmm. want the police to struggle a little bit they enjoy yeah. that but again we don't even know if this is a serial killer or what's going on with this but that was just odd the whole the whole wrong one thing was just so odd to me and even yeah. like dequin in his interview said the same thing he's like i still can't figure it out to this day i still don't know what that means i mean it could just very much so just be something to throw investigators off or the case off mm-hmm. but i, I mean, truly it, think it's this is a serial killer it, it's funny well, well not funny but you know how we were just talking about how um that one of the theories that the police had was that you know, it was a killer that basically embodied um, a split personality where mm-hmm. he was um, basically thinking, or Carolyn resembled someone from his life and he was basically murdering her think, with the assumption that she resembled someone else that was close to him that hurt him. Yes. So with the note saying the wrong one, that's what kind of made me think of that because True. he could have meant like, oh, like I'm, I have hate towards this person in my life, but I'm, I'm killing the wrong one because she reminds me of this person right like that's, that's deep yeah that is deep that's deep i also wonder if there's like any forensic evidence that was left behind because it was such a gruesome scene you think that he must have left some sort of dna and i mean i know this was like early 1970s so it's not like they even if there was some dna they probably couldn't have tested it because it right. wasn't you know as advanced but it is now so i mean i refuse to believe he didn't leave anything at the scene yeah i refuse to believe I, he didn't leave any dna I, yeah, he had to have left something. That's why I'm like, you know, if they if they preserved it, then they should be able to at least test something now. Because back then, you had to have a certain amount of DNA to test. Mm-hmm. But now, even the little is bit of DNA Girl, could be tested. Yes, so I feel like something could definitely be done now. Um, so hopefully someone looks into that soon. But If they still have it, because, you know, either yeah. it gets lost, so it's too degraded and you can't right. do anything with it. Um, my best guess is that it's probably no longer you know still here mm-hmm. they probably don't have the evidence anymore since it is so old and yeah well like i said guys that's the story of carolyn montgomery please keep supporting us tell your friends share and follow us on facebook and instagram and please subscribe and follow us on whatever platform you're listening to us on whether that's spotify apple podcast youtube or stitcher when you subscribe and follow you'll get an immediate notification of our latest episode thank you guys so much for listening and thank you guys so much for bearing with us and my you know scratchy voice (laughs) Um, and thank you so much for understanding for us not posting an episode last week but I was literally dying guys (laughs) but yeah we'll be back next week with a new episode thank you guys thank you see ya Shaylin 
I feel like you and I need a day where we just go and treat ourselves. I agree. So what do you have in mind, though? I was thinking that we can go get our makeup done. Okay. And I also really badly need to do my eyebrows. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking we can do that. But I also want to take a road trip somewhere. So maybe we can take a road trip somewhere and then get our eyebrows and makeup done. I'm glad you said that because I really, truly want to go to Houston to visit Tia. <gasps> Tia Edwards? Yes, ma'am. So I think we should go ahead and just take that trip to Houston. Yeah, I agree. Do you know what service you want done? I actually want to book her date night glam. Really? Yes, I, I was, love bits. I was actually looking into that. I think we should do the same thing. So let's go ahead and get her booked. Let's book it, girl. If you guys want to know a little bit more about her services, you guys can find her on Instagram. Theme browse underscore beauty. So go ahead and go visit her and check out her page and see what she has to offer. Go do it.